Hey, everybody. Thank you all for tuning in to the Solid Proof Podcast. My name is Amaya, and I'm so honored to be here. I work within business development at Digital Sponsor, and the company was kind enough to give me a platform to speak to all of you. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't know a lot about the sobriety space. I'm only 20 years old, and I don't have enough perspective on life to understand life. But I want to learn more about recovery. Every week on Solid Proof, I will be speaking to guests about the highs and lows of their lives, their work, their hobbies, what they ate for breakfast, and sobriety. I want to approach this typically taboo topic with sensitivity, and I hope to destigmatize a facet of society that's so often romanticized. These conversations can be a source of solace for those who are on the road to recovery, and maybe even foster some self-discovery in those who don't believe that alcohol is a valid enough problem. We will be focused on addiction and recovery, but the mental and emotional journey isn't exclusive to sobriety. On that note, I want to welcome our first guest. His name is Vedant. He's the founder of Digital Sponsor, and I'm really happy to speak with him. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good, Amaya. How about you? Good. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to welcome everyone to our first guest. His name is Vedant. He is the founder of Digital Sponsor. And I thought we could just start off by, you know, could you tell me a little bit about how Digital Sponsor came to be? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the story begins, I guess, um, a year and a half ago, uh, when we kind of like we had finished working on on like another product called uh, Glucobit Guardian, which is for people uh, who are suffering from hypoglycemia. Um, and and it didn't actually work out. So we were thinking about like where to go next. And, and, and we realized that like, you know, we wanted to do something that we cared a lot about. And I personally suffered from OCD. Uh, and so we wanted to do something that helps people to, to, to deal with their, uh, with their compulsions and attacks and OCD. So we were like, okay, let's, let's go ahead and develop an application. Cause we wanted something that people can use easily and, uh, and, and, and something that was very simple. So we kind of like went around developing this AI based application to help people with, with OCD. Um, and then when we took, then we took it around to like, you know, different places, different hospitals and, and doctors. And the, the feedback we got from them, and it, it kind of seemed like, you know, this might be helpful for people with uh, with OCD, but it would definitely help people who are, uh, who are actually struggling with addictions because they're very, very similar in nature, like um, in OCD of compulsions, and they're a very close cousin to, uh, to cravings that you have uh, when you are actually, like, you know, st- uh, struggling with, with substance use issues. So we, we actually like, you know, didn't know too much back then, but we decided to like go ahead and explore it. And we started talking to a lot of people. Uh, we started attending AA meetings and we tried to understand what it is that people really wanted. Um, and, and I could re- uh, and we kind of realized that, you know, people needed, needed help dealing with cravings. And I personally understood that because of, uh, because of my own experiences. So we first started with this product that kind of helps people manage cravings we, uh, with distractions and other things. And it was very simple. Um, and and, and, and we, we gave it out to people and people actually were using it. 
and, and, and when we went back to people, I mean, when we tried to talk to them, we realized that it was not just that that they wanted. They didn't just want help with cravings. Uh, people wanted a plan. People wanted to be told how, like, you know, they wanted to be guided through the process of recovery. And that was, like, you know, harder than we thought to find. Uh, usually guidance is expensive or you have to go to recovery centers, which most people don't really want to do. Um, I mean, I kind of think about it in terms of like, weight loss. Uh, if you're slightly overweight, chances are you probably don't want to go to a treatment program or a hospital uh, uh, to take care of that. You want to be able to do it by yourself, but you want guidance as well. And, and we realized that that's the same thing that people uh, who are trying to, to, to like, you know, uh, kick their drinking habit essentially wanted to do. They wanted to like be, be better. Um, and, 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 but like, you know, but people did not really want to go to recovery centers or pay for really, really expensive programs. They just wanted guidance. Um, and, and that's what we are trying to do now with the sponsor. That's great. That's great. You know, I've, been I've been thinking, thinking about, about, is there an is echo? There an echo? Uh, not really. Okay. Um, I've been thinking about, you know, life and, and, I think a lot of us have this concept in our head of, you know, what is the normal person and who, who is well adjusted and who can cope. And I think a lot of us are coming to terms with the fact that there is no normal and, you know, OCD, you know, mental health issues, sobriety, these are all facets of the human experience that, you know, shouldn't have this, this really dangerous stigma surrounding them. I mean, we all suffer from it. And if we have normal conversations about it, we can then together figure out ways to make life a little bit easier. So I'm wondering, have you, you know, working within the space of sobriety, has this changed your outlook on life? I mean, uh, well, that's, uh, yes, it, ha it has. And I feel like, you know, you're right. Like, um, it's, it's very, very difficult for people to, to understand what somebody else is going through without like, you know, uh, even even like, you know, uh, I guess in a way what we have discovered is that empathy is lacking a, a little bit, not because like, you know, people don't want to like, you know, people uh, it's not because of anything else. It's just that people don't understand what another person is is going through. Um, so if I were to, for instance, if with my OCD, if I were to like, you know, uh, describe a compulsion, I mean, it would kind of make sense to you, but you wouldn't actually understand uh, the depth of the suffering, unless like you are you are that person, or you've at least like spent a lot of time like you know uh, dealing with people who have OCD, and that's not something. Uh, uh, e even if you are friends with somebody, for instance, let's say who has OCD or who has severe drinking problems, you probably they probably wouldn't reveal all of their experiences to you. So it's very hard for you to understand like what they're feeling like. And I feel um, that you know we were able to to. to to, to kind of understand, try and understand different people. And what helped me a lot was my own struggle, uh, struggle with OCD. And we kind of, uh, I, or I rather, I kind of connected that experience uh, with others. So I can only see people or I can only like understand people's experiences from my own lens. And um, and if I don't have a lot of experience with, with, uh, with, with understanding people's suffering to begin with, it's very unlikely that I would actually understand what somebody else is going through. And I don't really know if I was answering your question there. Well, I guess I guess now I'm curious. Tell us about how, you know, you were diagnosed with OCD and it, was there any troubles with, you know, admitting that to yourself and, and coming to terms with the condition? Like how what was your mental journey? 
Uh, let's see. So, you know, I kind of diagnosed myself with OCD first a long, long time ago. So this was back in 10th grade. Uh, I was kind of, you know, there were always these periods of time where, uh, okay, the thing about OCD is it's not like one fixed, uh, one fixed thought pattern. It's, it's a variety of different thought patterns that kind of, you know, you spiral in deeper and deeper, even though you might get the sense that it's not really rational. For instance, for me, uh, I used to think that like, you know, if I touch walls, it would somehow adversely impact me, uh, even though I knew like, you know, uh, in my head, there was always this concept, hey, there might be lead in the wall and lead is really harmful. Uh, even though I knew like some of this paint is actually pretty new and it's probably lead free. Uh, I knew all of these things. I mean, I knew the facts, but it didn't register. It kind of like, you know, it kept going into my head, uh, like, what if, what if, and that's the spiral. And and the more you engage with it, the deeper you go down that hole, like, um, and you kind of find more ways to, to, to basically rationalize that there, there, there might be lead at least in some small concentrations on the wall. And, and that's just one example. It's, uh, and that was something that I was struggling with a lot in 10th grade. And probably before that, there were other things too, uh, that I probably that I don't remember just because I've had so many uh, of, of, uh, of different kinds of OCD experiences, I guess. But back then, I, I didn't know what it was. So I was just looking stuff up randomly. And I came across this article on OCD. And I was like, damn, that actually sounds very similar to what I'm going through. And I used mm -hmm. to go check the doorknobs, I used to check if the doors locked, that kind of thing all the time. Um, back, uh, so like, you know, I didn't actually, uh, so right there, like right on that page, I also saw that Einstein had OCD and I was like, damn, that's good. Like if Einstein had OCD, then maybe it's a good thing. And that was the way I was thinking about it. Like I was naive, uh, uh like, you know, uh, yeah. and, and, and after that, like, uh, I, I didn't really think too much about it. Like where I grew up, it was not really, uh, we didn't really talk about OCD or, or, or dealing with that. Although like, you know, in my family, thankfully they were understanding and they kind of accommodated with it. Um, and, and later on, when I actually went to, uh, uh, when I came here, when I came to Georgia Tech to, to, uh, for college, uh, I kind of went in and I uh, went to see a therapist and they were like, yeah, you have OCD. And that was basically just confirmation. It was not something that I didn't already know. Uh, I guess the most difficult part is not, for me at least, was not that, hey, I, I struggle with OCD. Uh, I, it didn't, like, you know, it, that didn't essentially define me. Um, but in reality, the biggest struggle was how do I deal with these thoughts? How do I, like, you know, lead, quote unquote, a normal life uh, while, while, while dealing with this? And how, how do I make sure that I don't uh, get an attack when, 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 like, you know, uh, during an important event or something like that? It's, it's always been how do I mitigate this and how do I kind of, you know, uh, deal with it without too much trouble. But yeah. So it's interesting to me. I feel like with a lot of, of these conditions, there's this aspect of shame almost. And, and speaking about it is kind of almost like putting a burden on someone else. And when I first met you, within five minutes, you told me all about, you know, OCD and all of that. I wonder, like, has there ever been a, a negative reaction to you just talking about your experience and, and has that impacted you in any way? Uh, so like, you know, it kind of depends on the context, I guess. Like I don't, uh, so like, you know, let's say like before I kind of started this this whole adventure, I guess this is another way it has all, it has changed me. I didn't really talk about OCD openly. Like I, I ne in fact, I never did. Like I never told anybody, uh, I kept it to myself. Uh, except my my close family, nobody actually did know. 
Um, but after that, like after people started sharing their experiences with us, when we, when we went to people and they were openly talking about it, then it kind of empowered me too to talk about my OCD. And, mm-hmm. and, and then it kind of made me realize that, you know, just because I admit that I have OCD or rather, uh, it, it doesn't actually diminish who I am. Uh, and, yeah. and, and I think uh, so far, anybody who I've talked to about OCD, of course, like I, I want to be realistic here. Like I don't, so if I were to suspect that somebody would react negatively to me if I were to talk about it, I probably wouldn't go and talk to them about my OCD. So, you know, and I guess my intuition has been more right than than wrong in this sense at the very least. Um, and, and so, yeah, so I, I would say uh, that, of course, I am sure that there would be people who would react negative to, uh, negatively if I were to talk to them about it. But chances are <laughs> I wouldn't. But um, so it, it's been it's been kind of like, you know, but but talking to people and seeing people be uh, uh, really open with it has actually empowered me to talk a lot about my OCD and about like my experiences with it so that I can actually like, you know, spread awareness about it, even if only to a limited extent. That's great. So tell me about how you entered the tech space. Was tech always something that you had an interest in and, you know, going to Georgia Tech? Like, what was that like? Because I know that I, you didn't grow up in the U.S., right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yes, tech was always something like that that interested me. Like, uh, uh, to, and I've had like a variety of interests to be honest. Like, uh, I, I that's I, I would I would think of myself, and if I could, I would kind of do everything. And since I can't, I kind of have to focus. Uh, but when I came in, I I actually wanted to. I've, I've dreamt of being a genetic engineer almost all my life. Uh, so that was my that was my goal coming in. Uh, so we I picked Georgia Tech as it was like a uh, it was pretty highly ranked in the biomedical engineering space, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. Um, yet when I went in, I kind of got the sense that hey, like you know, this is kind enough for me because it kind of touches on stuff, but it doesn't let me do the cool stuff. I didn't actually knew I didn't actually know what cool stuff actually even even was. Now I kind of understand that you know. Uh, you can't directly go ahead and like start doing cool stuff from the start. You kind of you have to build it up. But even then, like I had a, a, a vast array of interests, and that's why I kind of picked a, a unique double major combination. I guess I picked computer engineering and chemical engineering because I wanted to do a little bit of biology. Yes. Yeah, and I wanted to do a little bit of like you know I like coding too. Like I, I found it to be really fun. Uh, so I kind of wanted to do to, to to combine that so that someday in the future I can kind of bring the, uh, uh, the the tech aspect to uh to the uh to the genetic space but as it turned out i also found like a passion in helping people with their mental uh with their mental health problems because i personally have it and and i think that you know before it was just like my focus was on doing something cool but now like i guess it has shifted to doing something very impactful that actually helps people as opposed to just chasing something for the sake of it that's great you know, we don't really talk about how our early life, like high school and, and college, these are, you know, a juvenile simulation of, of what's to come in the rest of our, you know, 60 plus years of, of life on earth. Mm-hmm. And you learn a lot of, of great lessons when you're stuck in classrooms with people and, and doing all of these, uh, I don't know, simulations of, of what you would do in once you're an independent adult. So sometimes just simply looking back on the experience, if you were to take a timeline of your life up until now, are there 
events in your life that you feel have really greatly shaped you and you always come back to and you think about and you run through your head other things like that <laughs> i guess that's like a uh it's a hard question in many ways i mean i feel like everything that, i mean what's the first thing that comes to your head uh well to be honest the first thing that came to my head was like um so there's there was this program called CreateX at georgia tech where uh they were asking people to, to to come apply if you have any idea up until then i feel that uh uh, of course, like everything that I've experienced in my life has shaped me to some degree. I mean, it's it's the whole idea that if one thing at one point in my life had changed, the whole trajectory of my life would be entirely mm -hmm. different. The butterfly so, effect. Yeah, yeah. So, so I wouldn't actually like be able to point to one thing that's especially uh, like important, but uh, one thing that like, you know, that I guess shaped me into who I am. But but one thing that I do, something that I do think about is like this CreateX program. And uh, it kind of invited people to like apply with their ideas, right? Um, so up until then i'd always thought that okay i'm gonna do something about like something i care about but it's gonna be later uh, that was always my my line of thinking it's always because i've i've always thought that i'm i'm underprepared to do something um and when i when i went to the CreateX program and they kind of selected us uh and 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 they funded us that kind of uh, kind of you know built in me a belief that you know maybe i don't have to wait till the right time to do something um like and and maybe like the right time to do something is now and that's been something that line of thinking is what i think has changed everything for me like don't wait to act act now uh and think later and i think it might be something that uh um so i'm not actually discouraging people to think um, all i'm saying is you know you gotta act before you think you're ready because it's that time will never come and and that learning has probably been uh the most important thing that i've learned throughout college and 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 pretty much i feel like that's the one thing that i, I thought about when when you asked me the question so it's uh it's probably changed the trajectory of my life in a in a very very significant way see that's where you and i differ in that i feel like when i look at you know, my life and, and maybe more specifically my career trajectory, I'm overwhelmed by the possibilities. And that causes me just to shrivel up and not think and not act and just sit there. And you've told me before that when you when you feel fear, your immediate reaction is to run straight at it, which from my very, you know, terrible understanding of, of OCD, I feel like OCD is very closely linked to anxiety I mean, is this a typical reaction or, or do you feel like you differ in some ways? Like, what uh, is that like? So, no, I don't like, you know, I don't believe that it I don't believe that it is a typical reaction. I mean, it might be like, again, like my my, my understanding on this is kind of limited. Uh, but yes. Uh, so, yeah. So you're right. Like when you're actually very afraid of something, it kind of leaves you stuck and, and, and kind of in the moment. And that's when we tend to procrastinate too. Like, you know, it's right. like that. Um, when there's like this really important decision coming up and you have to pick one way or another, like that's when you're like, oh damn, what do I do? And and I'm not gonna lie, like it, it does it does grip me many many times. I'm, you know, like you know, uh, when I when I jump towards action, people get the sense that I, I always do that, but no, I'm I'm gripped by like uh, uh, I'm pretty indecisive sometimes, even when picking like ice cream flavors. Uh, but I guess like one of the things that I didn't want to do, you know, because of OCD, I know that if I engage with thoughts for too long, it kind of puts me down into a cycle of suffering that I really have no control over. So if I if I fear something and I don't do it, and I feel like, 
like deep inside i'm like oh why didn't i do it there's going to be that that pain of regret mm-hmm. uh, that i didn't take that action and i'd rather not face face that pain I, i'd rather fail than than like think about oh damn i should have tried i guess like again it's not perfect there are times when like you know i don't take action and then i end up and i end up regretting it or I'm, i'm afraid to do it but for the most part like uh I've kind of primed myself in a way that like if I fear something really badly I'd rather like take a crack at it now and see what it is that that I've uh, <laughs> I'm so afraid of rather than uh wait and let the uh, let the fear kill me twice. I think that's really interesting what you're basically what you're saying about, you know, regret and allowing yourself to to form your life around avoiding that and just taking a chance. I think, you know, in the past when I've acted well let's just say like regret is kind of like embarrassment about the past right so i wonder you know if we were to link this to your coping strategies and and if they were healthy or not was is there any regret there in and can we relate that to kind of the functions of digital sponsor and how it how it like works to help with sobriety Um so so can you like reframe the first part of the question the truth is i actually uh, forgot what you <laughs> yeah as in as in you know i like how you i mean you're one of the few individuals i'm in the opposite in that you know i really embrace my regrets and and i can't i'm trying to learn to to not w- work my way into a regret and just take a chance instead right right so i'm wondering you know i you were kind of talking about how the way that you avoid some of your ocd triggers is to just take a chance and and not regret right and not yeah. put yourself in that situation uh, i'm wondering are there elements of digital, digital sponsor and how it yeah. deals with sobriety so is there a similarity there so so like i i do need to need to clarify something there i guess like it's not just with like you know like you know ocd does play a part and like in in kind of compelling me to take action but it's not the only thing because there are these ocd ocd thoughts that are not about like that are not linked with actions at all right uh so i feel like it, it is a little different from ocd like and and i feel like the one thing that has given me the most power to 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 take action and kind of embrace failure is failure itself like uh like and i i know i make no secret of this i failed so many 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 times like and and uh i think that's that's something that like you know it kind of desensitizes like the impact of failure you kind of get an understanding that uh that that people's memory of your failures is short like uh you could you could fail horribly get embarrassed and and, and one one particular instance of this was like in public speaking for me um like a long time back i went up to stage like in and and i was pretty hyped up for that event too uh and I, what event was it uh it was like this this speech contest and i had one uh, several events like you know uh, in a row prior to that and i went up there and i completely forgot my script like i had no idea what i was doing. Uh, as it turns out I how, was, how big was the crowd uh it was it was pretty big it was more than 200 people at that time oh uh, and i and i repeated the first line like i think 17 or 18 times and i came off the stage i mean uh, uh, i did, like i oh, got wow. stuck like i couldn't think at all and uh-huh. and then like you know i, I think I, i i have to give my parents a lot of credit here like they didn't tell me to quit they didn't say hey you better walk away they're like it's okay you failed and, and like they were pretty straight about it like you failed and you kind of messed up uh but you know you can either like just just give it up there or you can actually go to these there was this program called Toastmasters you can go there and you you okay. you can you can develop it you can develop yourself and when you've hit 
like, you know, the ground. When you've hit rock bottom like that, like you're not afraid of doing it again. What's the worst that could happen? You, you go there and you get stuck again. Big deal. Uh, so uh, so some, that was kind of like, you know, that's how I kind of developed the the idea. And, and I'm not telling you that I'm not afraid of before events. I, I really am. Like, uh, but when I'm in the moment, I typically don't tend to think about it because I, I counter my thoughts with what is the worst that could happen. And and that tends to help me. Uh, that, that does help me quite a bit. Uh, and, and as it pertains to like a digital sponsor specifically, something that I've realized is like, you know, when you have strategies in place and that is a strategy, like what I just mentioned is like, you know, that is a strategy I use typically. What is the worst that could happen? Um, you know, that, that like, you know, in, in front of these kinds of events that typically do uh, cause fear in me. And, and we try to do the same in digital sponsor too. Like there are coping strategies. Like, you know, if you want to combat like uh, a trigger, like the best way is to have a plan to do it. Like, cause otherwise in the moment, your, your mind is going to be really, really clouded. Like I, I can tell you that from personal experience, from personal suffering, like if you don't have a plan in, in place to like beat a compulsion or a craving, chances are you're going to engage with it and you're going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, and, and, and so like, you know, just knowing, okay, this is what you say to yourself when you have a craving. This is what you say to yourself when you have a compulsion. This is what you do. You go and you, and, and you play that game or, 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 or you listen to that music. Just having that plan in mind has helped me quite a bit. Um, and, and when you're in the middle of a, of a compulsion or a craving, like it'll, it literally feels like it's going to go on forever. Like there might be little voices in your head saying that it's not, but that'll, that'll soon be crushed unless you have like this, this, like, you know, this plan in place or something in front of you telling you, no, this is not like, you know, you better stop engaging with it now. And Another thing that I've learned is like, you know, uh, it's really hard to see the bigger picture when you're in the middle of all of these. Just saying that like, you know, oh yeah, uh, the, the average length of a play a craving is 20 minutes. It doesn't actually like help as much as like, you know, if you say, let me just try to not engage it, engage with it for 20 minutes. And that seems like a reasonable time period. Um, uh, and and, and then, then, then you just go like, okay, I will deal with whatever comes after the 20 minutes. Chances are when you're in the middle, like, you know, you feel a lot better and then you can think more clearly and, and things get better. It's the same with even working out. Like if you tell yourself that, like, you know, if you're starting out and you tell yourself that I'm going to go for uh, a, a, a 20 mile marathon or whatever, uh, your chances are you won't actually go for it. But instead, if you say, I'm going to go run for 200 meters and I'm going to come back. Uh, if you go beyond the 100 meter point, chances are you're like, maybe I can do a little better. And I think mm -hmm. that's how I kind of hacked that system. And I think that's something powerful that I've learned. Yeah. I mean, as someone who has, you know, social anxiety, I think, you know, I did speech in, in high school as well. And there's nothing more addicting to that, that feeling of just that sigh of relief after every round and, right. and you you hype yourself up you forget that a lot of these anxieties are are very much irrational and and disproportional to the actual threat that's that's in front of you right right so you get stuck in this rut and then finally when you take that that plunge and you 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 put that faith in yourself and you do it you come out of it and you're just that much stronger at the end so i'm thinking you know every time you you turn on digital sponsor and you press that button and you 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 keep yourself away from from um, I don't know, falling victim to that compulsion for 20 minutes, you come out of it, you're 20 minutes stronger, right? 
Absolutely. Like, uh, and, and, you know, self-efficacy is literally the name of the game here because every time you beat it, like the more, the more, like you said, like, you know, the more confidence you have in yourself that you can do it again, that you can, you can do it. And the more times you do it, uh, well, it's going to be a really, really, uh, it's going to have a really positive impact and, and you'll feel really confident and that's what matters. And it's also important to, to remember that even if you do fail once, that doesn't mean that it's over it's not all about the streak it's about you know taking that chance and once again saying you know how strong is my faith in myself mm -hmm. if the moment i fall i don't just like i think i can't get back up you can right um and i do and, yeah go on so i was you know you've said that you failed a lot you failed a lot and i want to know have you ever just thought about quitting and just giving up on yourself uh, like, you know, the first few times, honestly, like, that's what you think, uh, like, you know, when you walk off of uh, such a major embarrassment, you're like, damn, <laughs> like, uh, how can I ever show my face there again? That's going to be like, I think that's a, a natural response. But like, if you do show your face again after that, you won't feel the same way again. I mean, like you said, it just becomes, yeah, like you grow a thicker skin, I guess, you know, you're not too afraid of showing your face again. And you lose your ego a little basically, bit. Basically, like, you know, you've hit rock bottom. I mean, what? Uh, and you still come back up. And I feel like that is the thing. Uh, so if you failed and you've picked yourself up, you believe that you can replicate that, right? Like, you know, no matter what. And I think, you know, if you slip, that's okay. Like it's about progress, not perfection. And I think if you're slightly better today than you were yesterday, you're already like, you know, on the right path. And and, and you can understand that, like, and especially uh, if you do take a slip and, and instead of like going down into like, you know, saying, hey, you know what, I've broken my streak. I'm just going to continue with that. And that's dangerous. But instead, if you say, okay, cool, big deal. I, I drank once. I'm just going to stop and I'm going to count the number of days. Like, I mean, if you think about it, uh, out of the last 30 days, I only drank once and that's a lot of progress. I'm just going to keep moving forward. Then nothing can break you. I mean, sure, you might slip every once in a while, but if you can get up, then then you can move forward and you can become better. Exactly. That's great. Now, something I'm really curious about, and and you haven't talked to me about this much, is is you had an offer from Google and you turned that down and you stuck to your faith in yourself. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, uh, and that was actually like, a, to be to be honest, like a very confusing time. I had like a lot of uh, different paths ahead of me. But like, yeah. you know, the 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 path. Yeah. So uh, honestly, like, you know, a long time back, I'd always thought that I'm going to like, you know, work somewhere. I'm going to I'm going to crew enough experience and then I'm going to like, you know, do my own thing. But as it turns out, at the exact same time, I also had an opportunity to to, to work for. Uh, well, to, we were funded, and we were we were working on that on that like you know, uh, on on the program that would eventually become like Glucobit. Um, and, and I was like, okay, cool. Like you know, either and it's not like you know these offers will stop coming like the first time you decline them. It's uh, and and on and thankfully, like I had like. A lot of people that I could talk to about this. I was a little afraid of, like, you know, talking to my parents about this, but like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but uh, but others. And I kind of made the decision that you know what, like, I'm I'm young, and and this is the time to fail. And I think that was the best advice. Like one of our advices, it was Dr. James Stubbs uh, here at Georgia Tech who who gave it to me. Is like, you know, you're young. Like this is the best time to take a big chance 
and go down. Uh, uh, I mean, you can always go work for a large company, like, you know, uh, later down, you know, if nothing works out, because, uh, you know, you're not actually losing anything. In fact, you're just building up your resume with, with, uh, with experiences from here. But, uh, but later on, if you leave the, the startup and your big dreams for later on, if not now, when, right? That was the, that was the kind of thinking that I had. Uh, and I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go for, for Glucobit and, and make it like, you know, the most successful company. <laughs> so, okay. Tell me you, you say no to Google. You're like, okay, I'm going to do my own thing. And then you start Glucobit, which is the parent company to digital sponsor. And then you start your first project and you fail. Right. What is the first thought that goes through your head? Uh, you know, like, it's not like, you know, the failure, <laughs> to be honest, it's, uh, I kind of tend to romanticize this a little bit, like when, when looking back, but uh, it, it, the failure didn't feel a whole, so it was, just, if it had been like a huge, like slap on my face and we just fallen down that would have been bad but it was a series of little failures little failures little failures like that's kind of how it happens right in reality that's how it happens and yes like uh, like you know i'm not gonna lie it was kind of disappointing because we actually sunk honestly at that point thousands of hours into it and 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 it was very difficult to accept that like what we were doing would not pan out like that. So we were building this this uh, device that you could like you know uh, it was like an armband that could that could tell when you have a hypoglycemia attack. The truth is we were building a dinosaur. Like uh, there was already much better technology available, um, and, and and we were like you know we were thinking oh no we're gonna like you know one up that, and and then we got uh, we got a reality check. We kind of understood that hey, like, it's time to be real with ourselves. Is this really going to work out or no? Um, but I guess the one thing that kept me going and that kept us going all together was, was, was you know, we enjoyed the process so much. Like, uh, when, when I was in school, like, I really, you know, I studied right before the exams when I had to. Yeah. But here, like, it was like we were working all the time. And I couldn't, I, I, I could not be more excited to get up the next day and continue working. It, it was, it, it was like, I really enjoyed what I did. I really enjoyed meeting people. I really enjoyed like, you know, building the product. Uh, and, and, and that was the best part. And, and I didn't want to let go of that feeling of, of enjoying my work and feeling that there is a bigger purpose, uh, uh, you know, waiting here. And I think that's what kind of forced us to say, hey, this failed. That's okay. No harm done. We've learned a lot and we've enjoyed the entire process. Uh, and so, you know, we, we got in not for the process. I'll be honest. We, we, we got in. We were like, okay, we're going to build this product. We're going to like save a lot of lives. You're going to change the world. None of that happened. Um, but 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 we what, what did happen was we got in for, for the product, but we, we fell in love with the process. And I think that is kind of uh, every day, like learning something new, talking and, and building something out of nothing. And, and that kind of excited uh, us more so than anything else. And I think that's still to this very day. And that continues to drive us. So do you think, in your opinion, like startup culture, the chaos that comes with it, the chaos that comes with, you know, creating something new? Do you think you were destined for it? Do you think there's a certain kind of person who thrives in that environment and someone who just cannot? Or or <laughs> do you think you can build yourself to become, you know, that, you know, chaos, you know, creative, cre creativity oriented person? 
like you know to be honest i've always been someone who has been very chaotic so i thrive in chaos uh, i well to be honest and i don't i don't think it's something that you can't create for sure like uh, i know for a fact that my co-founder z like she's been uh, she was like a very disciplined person like you know who did uh, who organized her day and all that and, and, and then you poisoned her <laughs> I, I would think so like you know she's now very much like you know she thrives in chaos too and she makes it a little more organized but uh, she's uh, I had like a bad influence or a good influence I mean uh, <laughs> in a way but but in reality I feel like you know you have to be fine with 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 chaos to an extent i mean uh that that is that is the only way you can you can thrive in a startup environment but but nothing goes to plan like you can make a beautiful plan you can write down like 20 pages of everything you'll do and and i guarantee you within 10 days everything will change so uh, so like you know uh, it, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a plan because uh, like you know success in, in a company creativity i guess is managed chaos I've heard that somewhere. I just don't know where, uh, and and that is very much true. Einstein, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I think what we uh, like, you know, there needs to be a structure. There needs to be a vision, but you need to be adaptable. Like, and if you can, if you can, kind of, you know, kind of uh, imbibe that mindset where you can adapt to the challenges rather than saying, oh yeah, you know, I had made a plan. And, and this this is not going my way, but I'm just gonna stick to it. Now that's bad because you're not really adapting. Uh, to what is coming on but if you can kind of and that's something you can train yourself to do if you, you can train yourself to say cool like you know i had a plan now let me just modify it a little bit to, to take into account the reality uh that is happening in front of me and i think like you know the most important thing that like you've always heard it like people always say whether there's a will there's a way uh you don't really believe that all that much until you realize how true it is like uh, if you have a vision in mind or you say you have an app, you don't really, it never gets to be as perfect as you want it to be. Uh, what you do is you come up with a, uh, with a tiny version. You don't even know how to code. You, you've never done it before. Sure, like, you know, you learn a little bit to code and, and, and you kind of like design like a really crappy version. And then mm -hmm. what that does is you get questions. You're like, how do I do this? And that's the most important thing. And that's how you learn. Like if you have questions uh, and you have resources, I mean, you have the internet in front of you, you can ask right just about any question. And if not, you can just email somebody who does know something about it. And, and once you've adapted that way of life where you're trying to build something, you have a vision, uh, you build something crappy, you have questions on how to go to the next step. That's how you do it. Like, uh, and that is the process that I'm talking about. Uh, where it is very focused learning. You don't learn. You never say, "I need a graduate degree in something to go and like go build uh, build a product." I mean, with that attitude, you'll never build it. But if you if you say, "Okay, cool. This is what I know. This is what I need to know," and then you quickly try to acquire whatever it is that you need and and go to the next stage. And that's uh, that's what you need to do uh, to, to to kind of you know manage the chaos and be good at this uh, and, and build products. So really, this this experience out of college has taught you to be, you know, embrace your adaptability and embrace a, a growth mindset. So, you know, this project, it didn't work, but we learned a lot of these elements that we can then put into this next thing that's going to be even greater. It's it's once again, sticking to that faith in yourself and realizing, oh, I I. I'm going to take what I learned and I'm going to get that much stronger because of it. Right. Basically like, and, and one thing I've realized is, you know, like the same rules that help you like deal with OCD, deal with, uh, uh, with, with alcoholism, the same kind of things don't just help you survive. They help you thrive. And at the end of the day, like it all goes down to like, if you're building a great product or you're trying to build a great life, it's always 
like you know accept the reality uh, ask questions and, and and believe that you can make a change and and then try hard to like you know work with what you have to get what you want to get yeah i think you know an affirmation i always tell myself is is you know life is not about you know surviving but really what matters is striving and and trying to be better with each day that you're given and so my question is when it comes to those negative thoughts that I know that you're a very positive person, but I know everyone has these negative thoughts. Does, you know, the fear of disappointing yourself drive you more or the fear of disappointing those around you and your friends and your family? Uh, well, let's see. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, uh, like, uh, I, I, yes, <laughs> I, I am generally positive, but I do have my own share of negative thoughts for sure. Uh, and yes, I think I am more, to be honest, like, uh, uh, it, it's a bit of both, I guess. I don't want to disappoint like the people I care about, like for sure. Uh, and at the same time, like I don't want to sell myself short either. To, to, to like, so I want to do what I'm passionate about, and I want to help the people that I care about. It's uh, uh, and when, when dealing with negative thoughts specifically, I guess I, I kind of forgot your question again. But like, I, this is what I do to deal with negative thoughts. I kind of I either stick with it, and or I kind of try to like infuse, say cool, like all of this is happening to me, not a big deal. I am sure we can kind of go past it. Um, so what was your question, Amaya? Well, I was kind of hinting at this this idea that, at least for me, I don't really care about, you know, this sounds a little blasé, but like I don't really care about the specifics of what goes on in my life. But what really drives me is, you know, what do other people think of me? Do they think that I will be successful? I don't want to disappoint these other people. Like, is there some sort of, and, and you were kind of hinting at it, you want to do something that helps people, that makes you feel like, that makes people associate your name with digital sponsor, that helps people in the sobriety space. Like, is there something that drives you externally or is it intrinsic? Uh, like, you know, like, uh, yeah. So what people think of me, sure, it definitely does bother me. And I'm not going to lie and say nothing that people things bothers me for sure like you know we are humans we are social creatures and uh mm -hmm. and and we don't want to lose and these are things that are always going to be there um and yes i mean they definitely do affect me uh but not to an extent that like i kind of quit that something if i'm doing something that i believe is important that i believe will actually help people and, and change things and if somebody were to say you know what like i'm so disappointed in you you're not making progress i mean this is not right for you yes will i be here absolutely will i stop no I won't like uh, uh, like <laughs> uh, uh, like you know if I'm if I have the faith that's it, it, that doesn't mean I'm going to like you know just dismiss their concerns. I mean, chances are there is something about what they're saying too. Like if they're saying, "Hey, you're not making progress," chances are you're not doing something right. Uh, so we can fix that something and still go the same way rather than say, "Hey, oh, yeah, oh, cool," like you know nobody believes that what I'm going to do is going to work out. I'm going to quit. No, 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 no. Uh, like I'm going to keep going on until like you know I believe that like you know there's something better. Uh, uh, to do. And that doesn't come from, uh, I mean, that's not something that's going to happen just because somebody doesn't believe in me. Because if that was the case, we would not be here, I guess, because lots of people kind of slam the door uh, at our faces when we went to talk to them. I mean, that, that's kind of like, you know, uh, there were people that said, you know, this is really not going to work. Uh, but but like, I believe that it is. We believe that it is. And, and, and we're not going to stop moving forward. We're going to correct the errors. We're going to listen to criticism because criticism is a great way to learn. Um, mm -hmm. you, 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 you get what, like, you know, you, you try to get, extract 
what is the point that they're trying to tell you that you're doing something wrong and you fix that something wrong, but don't, don't abandon your mission just because some people don't believe in you. So in your opinion, do you think it's more valuable to have a strong commitment in yourself or a strong commitment in your people? Uh, I mean, like, you know, so you definitely do need to have faith in your people and you, you need to have commitment to the, to the vision that you've created as well. Uh, So it's kind of like, you know, I've, I've learned, yeah, I've learned, it's about balance, I guess, in a way I've learned to stay away from absolutes where like, you know, uh, it's a bit of both. You definitely need to like, you know, have, have faith in your people. You need to have faith in yourself because if you can't trust yourself, then, uh, then it's lost. So you need to be able to like, you know, trust yourself and, and keep moving forward, believe that you're working on the right thing. And you need to have like, you need to have passion for what you're doing. And I think that's going to bring, that is the, the missing piece that's going to bring everything together because uh, that is infectious. I mean, when you're passionate, when you're really passionate about something, you end up like inspiring others. You work really hard. You work like, you know, you you you, you drive towards it. And that kind of unconsciously gives permission to other people to do the same uh, and you have faith in that uh, faith that they'll follow you with they'll follow with you basically yeah I agree I think I mean I'm only 20 so what do I know about life but I think life is just a series of of barriers and and highs and lows and every single time you 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 do something you make an action it's it's a it's a active faith in yourself it's a commitment to yourself you know oh i'm gonna go to go take a class in college and i'm gonna get a degree that is a faith in in yourself and a faith in a better in a better future so i think in that same vein me recognizing maybe that i have uh, a problem with alcohol it's it's an act of faith in myself and my future when i say okay i'm going to commit myself to an alcohol-free journey and I'm going to find some help and I'm going to seek some guidance and maybe it's digital sponsor, but really at the end of the day, it's find out what works for you. Basically. Yeah. Um, And so on that note, I want to know what is your vision for the rest of your life, your career, and more specifically the future of digital sponsor. So, yeah. So kind of start with the, with the, with the future for digital sponsor. I mean, like, you know, we started out, like, I'm not very, we're not very social people, I guess. Like, you know, we're not very, uh, not extroverted in, in a way. And I know, and we kind of figured out that, you know, lots of people, like, it's not something, like, especially with my OCD, now I've been empowered to speak about it. But before that, like, I was dealing with this on my own. Like, I was I was dealing with the entire experience on my own. And I all I wanted was a little bit of guidance, like something to, to, to tell me where to go next. And that's what we want to provide. We want to provide a great experience. And we, I don't believe that we are even like, you know, 5% of the way there. Like there is so much to do and there are so many problems to solve. And, and our vision for Digital Sponsor is to, is to be that hope and that to be that tool to empower people to help themselves. And that's been like a big thing for us. Because, of course, you can have a community of great supporters who can support you and, and who can kind of, you know, get you somewhere. But, you know, there there are limits to that. And that's what I've realized. I mean, people have people problems. It's not that they can be around and, like, you know, tell you what to do, like, uh, forever. You forever. You need to be able to do that for yourself. And and that's what we want to do with the sponsor. We want to give people the tools uh, and the guidance to empower themselves 
to make a change and to make progress. Um, and 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 so we started with alcoholism because this 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 is a big problem. And and like you know, a lot of people can definitely like you know use digital sponsor or, or basically to, 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 to kind of build faith in, in themselves and equip themselves uh, with the right tools. And that's what we want to do. We don't want to be a solution that they need forever in their lives to, to keep moving forward. We want to be a solution to give them everything that they need in their lives to move forward. Um, and, you know, we started with alcoholism. We want to expand uh, into to help people with OCD, to help people with a variety of other conditions. And, and the whole idea is we want to empower people to make progress and lead, and lead a more fulfilled life, essentially. And that's what we're going to do with, with digital sponsor. And that, and honestly, like, uh, do I see so far ahead? I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, I guess, but I know what I want to do with digital sponsor. And that's all, honestly, that's as far as I can see. Like, all I'm thinking about is, okay, what comes next? What are we going to do? How are we going to solve this problem? How are we going to make sure that people really, really, really find it useful and they can really use it to empower themselves? And uh, I might be short-sighted. I don't know. I have not really thought about anything beyond uh, a digital sponsor and how we can grow and, and yeah, and expand. Yeah. I mean, it's all about the next step. So is there is there a single thought that you would like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, I mean, uh, like, you know, I'm putting you on the spot, right now, but what is something you wish you could just put on as a post notification to all of our users put on like the Instagram? What is something you just want to say? I mean, so yeah, I mean, life is about like, you know, uh, about about learning. I mean, uh, personally, right, like the one thing that I and that I think that the people should more, know more more of is like, you don't really lose much by trying. And it's something that like, and I've been trying to tell myself, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, when you have like something in, in, in your mind that scares you, do it. Uh, and I know that we started with that. Uh, and I'm not perfect there yet, but it's just something that I've been affirming to myself and reaffirming. And this is something that I wish, like, you know, everybody would know, like, uh, when it comes to your fears, like you can either let it consume you or you can do it. And the worst that could happen is your own visions of the fear. And honestly, your thoughts hurt you more. That's great. Thank you so much for joining Yeah, us. thank you so much for having me, Amir. All right. All right, bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to Solid Proof. I'm still trying to figure out this whole podcast thing, and I appreciate everyone giving it and me a chance. I really learned a lot from Vedant this episode, and I hope you guys did as well. You can download Digital Sponsor on the App Store and check us out on Instagram at digitalsponsor underscore. And I think Vedant put it best. You don't lose much by trying.